Hi, welcome to another teaching message from Sycamore Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. So today, what we kind of want to do, we started last week talking about getting our hearts clean. But today, I want to talk about how we can align our hearts. And um, if your heart is frustrating, you different ways to commit suicide and kill yourself, different places you can tie the ropes and things like that. It's what I want to talk about today. So I don't know if you know this thing of being around people and being in a conversation, like a conversation is going on, and then you just suddenly start feeling shut out when the conversation just changes. For example, um, it can be a language thing. It can be that we were all talking in English and three guys were talking, and then two of them just, um, you know, very tribalistic country and all those things. They just changed the conversation and got you lost, basically. And so my wife and I had this thing that we've done for the best part of raising our kids where we kind of, you know, would just typically speak Yoruba to ourselves when we don't want any of the children to know what we're talking about when we're planning their destiny and things like that. So, um, so we just speak Yoruba and it just always scales, even though our Yoruba is not quality, but it just works and all of that. But I think it was like last week or two weeks ago, we said something in Yoruba. My daughter was there. We said something in Yoruba and then she responded to us in English and we knew it's over. Like it is... <laughs> It is now over, all right? Or sometimes it's not even just literal language. It can be like a generational thing um, that, you know, just slangs of a generation. I don't know about you, but sometimes you are, you're starting to realize I'm getting old when you're trying to catch up with slangs, you know, and stuff like that. So maybe you just walked out and somebody was like, man, uh-uh, man, your shirt is sick. You're like, I'm not sick in Jesus' name, but, you know, but it's like just the slang and um, stuff like that. Or maybe evil got bad, you have like a child, or, and he just came and he's like, Dad, you're my goat. <laughs> you're about to kill him before you even say, what does it mean, you know, and stuff like that, right? Um, and one of the ways to even know people's generation is just to check out how they post on their friend's birthdays. Like, so it's your friend's birthday, what you post, you know, some people will just say, happy birthday, hon, or happy birthday, darling, or things like that, and that's safe. Or maybe you do things like HBD, LLNP, GGMUBIJN, you know. Or maybe, maybe you get it, like, in massive ID to you, on your womb escape. More calendars to smash. You know. <laughs> uh, but, but to be honest, when you are like, struggling to catch up with what people are saying, you actually know, man, the world is moving um, and all of that is happening. Or maybe somebody even just walked up to you and was telling you about himself and a girl and he's like, oh, that we are friends with benefits. You are like, wow, that you are beneficial to each other. <laughs> Spiritually beneficial and emotionally and morally beneficial to each other, you know, but, <laughs> but I actually, as I was thinking about the whole thing of friends with benefits this morning, I think it kind of would help me um, preach what I want to preach today, um, so if you're here and you have a friend with benefits, stand up, no, don't worry, but, um, okay, just in case you don't know what it's about, basically what friends with benefits, let's help you, it's basically, not like we'll help you with one, but we'll just help you with the meaning, it's basically like two people that are just in like a casual relationship, no strings attached, nothing, no connection, we're not dating, but we just fulfill each other's sexual desires, basically, so um, it's a sexual relationship, basically, um, but without anything dating, and so the idea is that there are no strings attached to this thing. You know, I was reading an article about how you can have no strings attached in a relationship, and you give yourself all those ideas, and so there are no strings attached, but we just show up to fulfill, like, a sexual desire thing and all of that. But as I was thinking about that, I'm like, does anybody do life without actually having strings attached? Like, how do you do that? Like, what do you do about your life that doesn't attach strings? Like, I just go somewhere, there are no strings to this, there's no strings, I'm just doing this, no strings. I'm like, in my own life, it's ropes. I deal with ropes. Sean, please come. He's going to help me preach today. I deal with, I deal with ropes, right? Make welcome Mr. Sean Wakapo. He's head of discipleship strategies, Sikamo Church. So this is the part where you take over the message. Go on. Okay, I'm joking. I'm joking. But, but, but in my own life, I deal with, with ropes. Gideon, please come and help. Let's tie this really quickly. Let's just tie him up. We will start by tying him on the hand. We might get to his neck at some point. Let's just start, you know. The truth about my life is that everything going on in my life is kind of giving a rope to it. I don't know if you ever watched those. Um, somebody help me catch that. Yeah, thank you. I don't know if you ever watched those puppet things, like um, where they would like put all these things on a puppet. And the ones that do it cool, you don't see the strings. You just see the hands moving. But the ones that kind of have it messed up, you're like, I, I can see them pulling this thing. Okay. So everything about my life going on... Um, 
Yeah, thank you so much. Says, you keep. The... Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get you here. Thank you. Somebody catch it? Thank you. you. I'm giving you guys the right to control his life today. Yeah. Okay, so good. And so, hey, don't, don't let everything be so close. Let's send somebody far. Can, can that yellow one get to somebody behind there? And then you take this green one, give this to Tony. Can that get to, can you get to Mr. Supreme somewhere there? And then there you go. Thank you so much. Yeah. Fantastic. This is so good. It's so good. So, so this is what life looks like for me. I don't know about you. Maybe you go out and you are just like, there are no strings attached. There are no strings attached. But I'm like, there are ropes attached in my life. Just the basic things of life that I'm doing have a way of pulling me. Okay, so maybe we should put some names on them so that we'll put some context to this, right? That you are just generally minding your own business and all of that. Then you just kind of saw a girl you liked and all of that. And you started having these relationship thoughts in your life, like relationship and the thing with it is, you are just pull, pull, pull. I mean, pull him, pull him. Relationship. So it just has a way. And let's be honest, it's more than just your hand is pulling. It's your heart. So you are sleeping. You wake up in the night. Something's just pulling. It's pulling. It's pulling. For some of you, if we'll be honest, it is stuff of the past. You know, things that happened at some point in your life. It's not recent. It happened somewhere. But here you are, you just come to church and there's that sound of God is going to do great things in your life and what God is planning for your future. Boom, boom, somebody, boom, bishop. See, your past is not strong enough. I mean somebody that has real past. Right? Some of us can, can relate to this one, I'm going to put. Natural fact, in first service, they told me that I should have tied this one on his neck. Finance. <laughs> He's got my yellow roof. <laughs> and you know, yeah. I mean, guy, you're not broke. You've never been broke. <laughs> How many of you know, like, this one pulls? Like, you are sleeping and you're just seeing figures that have not balanced. Figures that have not balanced. You know, wake up like. <laughs> It's just pulling. And, and what I'm trying to say is that it's more than just something pulling my hands. It's actually my heart is talking. It's drawing me in all these directions. I'm just trying, look how the guy looks epileptic. Like, you're just trying to, to have a sane life. But from, it's just like pools everywhere. Move out, somebody move that rope out. Move that rope out. I want it pulling from this side. I want it pulling him from there. And I want this pulling from somewhere there. Come on, he's your puppet today. Do anything you want to do. Somebody, move out, stand up and move out. Stand up now, what's wrong? Two of us are standing. What's wrong with people? Why are you have? <laughs> Can you see what your life looks like sometimes? You are both wicked people and you both stood up. It's very wicked. Come on, sit down, my friend. See how they're happy to make him a puppet. A own father married. <laughs> Here's the deal. If we'll be honest, friends, we can name every rope. I can keep putting things on these ropes. Sometimes it's career. Sometimes it's just economic pressure politics. It's pulling. And it's more than just my hands and my feet. It's my heart. So do you know what this, where this lands me is that it puts my heart in a place of worry. Because there's just everything going on. What's going to happen? What's happening to that? Just when you are trying to stay focused about your life, you just feel all these things talking on your heart in all the wrong spaces. And so I start living this place of worry, um, pulling me from over. And what I want to say today is that God did not design our hearts to be lived, to just be like all over the place. I can't even keep it set on anything. In 2 Chronicles 24 verse 4, I like this description of Joash. It says that it happened after this that Joash set his heart. Set his heart. My big question today, are you even able to set your heart? He set his heart on repairing the house of the Lord. Like, I'm setting my heart to do something. Some of you know what I'm talking about, that I'm trying to set my heart. But the big issue I have is that it is just all over the place. Worries. Just yesterday, I was thinking about the next five years of my life. But today, I'm just thinking about the last five years and the hold they have on me. Worries everywhere. So, you know, we can come here and say, ah, there are no strings attached. But like ropes are pulling our lives. So what are we going to do with all of these things? 
What are we going to do because God has not called us to live a life of worry? I believe where God wants us to live from, let me help you, where God wants us to live from is that from the inside, we are aligned with what he is saying. So if God puts a promise, he wants me to have a heart posture that is aligned and where there's an agreement between the two, I can prosper in his purpose. God wants my heart to look like what his word is saying. God wants my heart to be set in the direction he's going. God is saying, build. He wants me to have a heart that can be set on building. He says, go that way. He wants me to have a heart that is set on that. He says, prosper. He wants me to have a heart that is set in that direction. That's what God calls me to. Not a heart that is just all over. I want to build my marriage. I want to build my relationship. But fear is just, hey, some of you know that fear one. Where's it tied to? Sometimes it's on your juggler. You know what I'm talking about? Fear. Wow. Man, tough stuff that we deal with, isn't it? Worry. Just all over the place. What I want to suggest to us this morning, what are we going to do with this? Here's what we need. I think that the mistake we make so often, and this is the simple thought I'm going to leave with us. It's a real simple message. The mistake we make so often is that we are trying to do all these things. I'm trying to answer all the questions of career. It's pulling me there. And then I'm trying to deal with everything relationship. I'm trying to deal with everything finance. We are trying, maybe I would say, to do too many things. What we need is to be able to say all these ropes, bring them together into one place and let me have one hold on everything. And out of a one hold, I can then find expressions of my life. So what we need is that, first of all, there has to be one thing about who I am. One thing that is holding my heart. One place that my heart is set. And then I can start to have expressions of my life. Amen, anybody? So let me show you what I'm saying. In Matthew chapter 6, from verse 25, Jesus is speaking. And then Jesus starts with the words, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. You know that guy that just says something to you because he just heard it on the radio. You are telling him all the problems in your life and he says, "Uh, don't worry, be, be happy. And you want to beat him. Is it, do you think I want to be sad? How do you just make a statement like, do not worry? He had better be saying something after that. If not, I will beat, do you understand? The person that said that. So Jesus, you come and you say, do not worry. How will you not worry? Did you not hear what's happening in the news? Did you not see what that happened in that? How will I not worry in all of this? Jesus says, listen to me. Do not worry about your life. So he starts naming all your ropes. What you will eat or drink. How many of you ever worry about that? Okay, nobody in this service. It's first service, people. You don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about your body. Mm. Shape, the size, overweight. Jesus said, don't worry. But some of you don't know that being overweight is a sign of being a good Christian. Because the Bible calls us to be patient. So if you can wait, and you can now overweight... <laughs> you can't be in front and be looking disappointed. <laughs> I've got robes today, man. <laughs> what you will wear? And Jesus is saying, look, don't worry. And I'm like, Jesus, why would I worry? He says it's not the life, it's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Let's move on. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap. Or story in burns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Do you notice Jesus is not exactly pointing you to look at the birds of the air as an ultimate. He's telling you to look at somebody else by seeing what that person is doing for the birds of the air. So he's saying, there's something about your heavenly father. Then he says, are you not more than valuable than they? Next verse. He says, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Let's be honest, by worrying about all of these things, what are we ever, ever to, able to achieve? Been worrying about the next five years forever, what does it do? Next verse. And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. So again, he's telling you, look at that. They do not labor, they do not spin, 29. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Next verse. If that is how, so again, you're looking at the flowers to look at God. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. We're going to 33, 34. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? All right? So do not worry. Don't let those ropes pull you. What shall I? What shall I? Don't worry. Okay? 
So what should I then do? He says, because that's what the pagans run after, all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. Stay with me, guys. So look at verse 33. So what should you do? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What is he saying? Let there be one thing you are seeking. And then out of that one thing, let all these things be happening to you. So he says in verse 34, do not worry each day. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of his own. What I want to suggest to us today is the only way we would deal with worrying. The only way. There are no two ways to deal with worrying. Let me help you today. If you've ever had a worrying issue, if you've ever had a worrying issue, there is only one way you would deal with it. I'll tell you how. It's by trusting. The only way I can deal with worry is by trusting. It's by trusting somebody that has control in the places I don't have control. If I'm worried about something happening there, I need to be able to trust somebody that has control there because I don't have control. Nobody deals with worry. Let me help you by worrying less. Ah, I kind of noticed this month I'm worrying less. No, it's just, it's just disguising on you. They will come out in a bigger way. Nobody deals with worry by trying to reduce the extent of your worry. The only way I can deal with worry is by trusting somebody that has control where I don't have control. If you're sitting here now, you're like, man, it's time raining during service. Ah, and I put some clothes outside. And yeah, I'm thinking the rain is going to beat them. And every two minutes, you find your mind going there. Ah, the rain. Ah, and I wanted to wear this tomorrow. Ah, and every one minute, your mind is going. Going there, going there. Should I tell you the only way you can deal with that is by calling somebody at home who has control where you don't have control and saying, Can you help me deal with that? And the person says, Yes, then now you sit here in peace. The only way I cannot worry is when there is somebody I can trust in the things I don't have control in. And so what Jesus is saying is, look, you have a heavenly father to trust. Because you have somebody to trust, then don't worry. Why are you chasing all these ropes like you can do everything? It's pulling you here, pulling you there. Jesus is saying, learn what it means to live your life from a place of trust. I'll say this to you today. If I am not actively trusting, I am already worrying. I may not yet be feeling all the anxiety pangs. I may not yet be having panic attack. But if I am not actively trusting, I'm already worrying. We need to be able to find the line between thinking forward and trusting, right? Because the truth is this. Um, thinking forward, in many ways, is me thinking into a space where I don't have control. Whether you call it planning, whether you call it preparation, but just the fact that I'm thinking into tomorrow. I'm already thinking into a realm where I don't have control. And the only way I can think forward without being a person of worry is that I'm trusting somebody that has control in tomorrow. The only way I can say what's my plan for the end of the year and I'm not worried about it is that I trust God will keep me there. The only way I can say what's going to happen over my children and I'm not worried about them is that I trust what God is doing over them. In other words, we get to the place where we first of all start to live our lives by trusting one who has a hold and then out of that I can start to make every plan in every area of my life. But the only way that I'm not worrying, that all these things are not talking my heart in the wrong direction is that I'm learning what it means to trust so we must know what it means to say, my thoughts are real simple today, but we must know what it means to say that Jesus holds the ropes of our lives. Jesus holds the ropes. And then the expressions of my life flow out of that. So what trust does for you is that it helps you to focus on Jesus first, all right, not on the details. Trust helps you to see everything through the lens of who Jesus is to you, not on the details of what's happening. Nothing happening in your life should first of all be a finance question. It should first of all be a question of my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And out of that, how am I then dealing with this need? Nothing in your life should first of all be a question of the past. Ah, it's just what happened. It should first of all be a focus on a God who is able to take what they meant for evil and work it for my good. And then out of that, how do I interpret this? But every detail of my life should first of all be a God focus. Because that's how I can keep my heart sane and healthy and in one place. I'm free from worry. That's the alignment that my heart needs. It's not first of all an economic question. It must not first of all be a question of all my mates at this age I had planned. It must first of all be a question of a God who knows the thoughts that he thinks towards me. And their thoughts of good and not of evil. It must be a focus on a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or imagine. And then out of that, I now start to say, okay, so what then are we going to do here? Amen. 
But do you know the truth is that we struggle with this? It looks so basic and like, yeah, this week I'm going to trust. But I'll tell you the truth, it's a big struggle. And I'll tell you why we struggle. You know, we're human. We love the part of, can you talk? Something is pulling me. It's pulling me. Jesus, save me. Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, I call upon you to save. And Jesus comes and holds it. Right? I love to think of Jesus as a savior. But do you know where I struggle? Is that when Jesus is holding the rope and he's savior, ah, Jesus, thank you for doing what only you can do. And we turn around. That means that Jesus is Lord. But I struggle with this because I want control. So why now is he giving me, telling me what to do, where to go, how to live my life? I kind of want control. But control means I need a savior. And then the savior comes to do what the savior does. So I'm like, Jesus, can you just be like a God with benefits? No ropes attached. I call you when I need you. You show up. You do what you know how to do, Jesus. And then you let me go to live my life. Nothing attached, nothing. That commitment thing is too hard. I just love the Jesus that I can call and save me when there are storms and save me. And then I can have the control. So we struggle. We love the idea of Jesus being Savior. But we hate the idea of Jesus being Lord. Tension, isn't it? And it's our human heart condition. So that's why you came to church and you felt like, yes, this week, this is what it's all about. And yeah, Jesus and all of that. But when we get and we start living our lives and we get to those places where there is that reality of Jesus is Lord. Huh? It hits a bit on my humanity. I'll tell you the truth. Because we love control. We love to have a sense of I know what I'm doing with my life. But what I'll say to us today is God has to really hold our ropes. I need a God who is strong enough to hold my ropes. I don't want to just have a God with benefits and no strings attached. Maybe you're here today and in all honesty, you've actually made for yourself a God with benefits. When the ropes are flogging you, you don't say, God, I trust you. Then he shows up and he does what God does. Then tomorrow you're like, I'm too tired for the whole God thing. Maybe you've made for yourself a God with benefits. How many of you remember the biggest exam you ever wrote in your life? And you remember how you were praying the night before? God, upon the covenant of your word, you know when you're praying and you even start saying things that don't even align, that Lord, I even stand upon your word, the covenant of Mary and Elijah, you are just saying nonsense. Then after the exam, um, yeah, yeah, you know, let's just take it step by step. Remember when you were applying for the visa, you were anointing every document with oil. You got, you got to the office. They said, why is there oil stain? <laughs> but listen, he is both Savior and his Lord. Let me look at somebody today and say, Jesus of the Bible is both Savior and Lord. Say, I don't know about Jesus of your village. Let me help you this morning. If you come around church, everybody hear me well. If you come around church or you come around God's stuff and all of that, and you already know, like I ask you and you say, in my life, I can never do this. There are things I can never do. There are places I can never go. There are things I can never give. I can never, and all of that. Guess what? Somebody else is your Lord. Because if God does not have the right to tell you, that's what I'm trying to say. To say that he is Lord is to say, do you know there are some words when Paul met Jesus in Acts 9? Paul is like, no, Lord. <laughs> it's a joke in heaven. There are things you don't say. You don't say no, Lord. Is that you say no, guy? Or you say yes, Lord. Lord does not talk and you say no. Lord talks and I say yes. He says jump, I say how high. I don't say why. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? If he's Lord then he has the right to control me. So if you come around here and you're like, yeah, I'm the church type, like I kind of go, but me, I try, no, I can never join any. He's not Lord. I kind of know, I'm the kind of person, I can never ever in my life marry a pastor. He's not Lord. I can do anything for God. I can do anything for God, though. Like God knows between me and God, there are things I can do. You know this Jesus of your village that you come up with? But he also knows, I've told him from the word go, there are things I can... That is Jesus of your village. If he is truly savior, then we must embrace him as Lord. That's what I'm trying to say today. If you're not clapping, angels are judging. 
unless you don't like it. And here's, here's what I'll say to you guys. Here's what I'll say to you. If we miss that, please come on keyboard. I'm getting ready to land. If we miss that revelation of Jesus as Savior and as Lord, it's not like Savior is the good part, Lord is the bad part. It's the beautiful package. At the end of the day, we need him to be Lord. What do you know about your life? What can you control about five minutes? What do you know about the next 10 minutes of your life that you're trying to control the next 10 years? What do you even know? We need the beauty of a God who is strong enough to be Lord, to, 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 to lead us to. And the privilege we have is that he's actually even good. We need it. I pray today that we'll not miss the beauty because we're not needing of many things. Everything talking your heart today. What I'm trying to tell you. Maybe you feel all those tugs on your heart. Everything talking in your heart. You're not actually needing of many things. You think I'm needing money. I'm needing this. I need a new this. I need that relationship. I'm telling you, you are actually first of all needing of one thing. It's one revelation. It's one thing. It's who he is to you. You think you need that relationship because you have idolized the voices of people. And I'm telling you that if you really hear what Jesus says about you, if you find an identity in who he is to you, then you realize all the things, the people you are idolizing and their opinions are not as important as you thought they were. We're needing of one thing. We're needing of that one revelation. We're needing of that one hold to our hearts. I don't want my heart talking in all the right, the wrong directions. I want to be able to set my heart. I want to be able to set him in his rightful place. I want to be able to put God and treat him as God. In 1 Chronicles 22 verse 19, it says, now set your heart. When you read through your Bible, you'll see a lot of that. Set your heart, set your heart, set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. I want to have that posture. I want a heart that is set, that is aligned to seek God. And then out of that, it says, therefore arise and build. There are things we would arise and build, but you know how we'll get to do that? We will set him as God. Set the Lord your God. To set God in his rightful place and to trust him as God. That's what we're needing of. To set God in his rightful place and to trust him as God. So what does that sound like? I want to treat God as God. I want to set him in his rightful place. I want him to have the hold that I need him to have. I want to exalt him right as God. I want to treat him as God. I want to regard him as God. I want him to be God. I want him to have that hold on my life. And then out of that. Listen, when you're young, you think that liberty... When you're young, you think that liberty is that these ropes should all be removed from me and I can go where I want to go, do what I want to do. The older you get, you realize that true liberty is correct bondage. That our truest liberty is submission to the right authority. Listen to me, hear me well? Your truest liberty is not the absence of authority. Everybody's under authority. Something is pulling you. Are you hearing me? Everybody's under control. If you like, don't give God that control. Allow alcohol to be pulling you anywhere. Allow pornography to be pulling your destiny to... Allow anything to be pulling you anywhere. True authority is saying, uh, you know what? I don't even have the power about these things I bring it and I say God hold it for me true freedom is submission to the right authority it is not absence of authority I'll say that again in case you didn't write it down true freedom is not absence of authority it is submission to the right authority everybody's under control everybody is so what we need is we need God to be God let's regard him as God because if he's not staying in the place if the true God is not staying in the place that belongs to God guess what an idiot is sitting there something else is sitting there. everybody has a God you're either worshipping philosophy worshipping an idea worshipping somebody's policies worshipping somebody worshipping what people said or you come and say you know what I'll give the worship to God I'll give it to the true God I'll give it to the one that reigns forever I'll give it to the one that made everything and without him nothing was made that was made I'll give it to the one that is strong and able I will give him the right to be God and not take that vacuum and then go and give it to everything else we need to treat him as God we need to know what it means to say God is God don't reverse the order. God is not dog. God is God. God is God. Don't let a generation lie to you. God deserves to be treated as God. That's what it means to be a Christian. So I want to set my heart right. I want to give God the control. I want to give him the ropes of my life. There are three ways that I would suggest you can do this as I close this morning. The first thing I would suggest is that you can do that in focus. 
We can treat God as God by, by focusing on him, right? By saying that in the midst of everything happening, this is not, first of all, for me, just a question of what is pulling or what is pulling there. It is, first of all, a question for me of focusing on Jesus, focusing on Jesus. You've been taking it in isolation and you think it's just a focus on my marriage plans or it's just a focus on my 10-year strategy. It's just a focus on my career. No, it's, first of all, a focus on Jesus. And out of that focus on Jesus, who loves you, who is for you, who has great plans for your life, I can then start to figure out the journey of every variable. Hebrews chapter 12, this is what it means to be a Christian from verse 1. Therefore, seeing that we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the sin, the weight, and the sin which easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance. The race, you know there's a race set before. You know there's a race of life you're about. There are all these things, and it's like, yeah, I'm ready to run. I'm ready to go for it. I'm ready to do life. I'm ready to thrive. I'm ready to explore and to be all that God calls me to be. Yeah, there is a race set before you. So how do I do it? How do you run? Look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus. That's how we run. That's how we do life. That it must first of all be a focus on who Jesus is to me. It must first of all be a focus on who Jesus is to me. And then out of that, when I get a right focus of who Jesus is, that's how I treat him as God. That's how I treat him right. And I live my life out of a place of focusing on Jesus. Second thing I would suggest to you about how we can live our lives out of a space of treating him as God is that I believe that first of all, we must be focused on him. Do you see that his eyes are first of all on me before anything else? And I stand in between every variable and him. And he's focusing on me for every variable. Secondly, today I'll suggest that we must honor him. We must honor him. First of all, focus on him. But we will not be treating him as God if we're not honoring him. You can focus on him just because you want to call him every time you want to call him. Or you can focus on him with a mindset that says, I want to honor him. What I'll say to you today is that your honor actually points to your worship. I'll say that again. If I want to know what you worship, do you know what I'll do? I'll check what you honor. Your honor points to your worship. Your honor leaks. Leaks what you worship. Do you know that you can come to church? Let me tell you guys, honestly, do you know we can come to church and be worshiping ourselves? Coming to church does not mean you are worshiping God. You can come to church and it is self-worship. You can come to church because you want to feel better about yourself. You want to feel justified in yourself. You can come to church. It's like the publican that is saying that, oh, you know, I'm righteous. I do all this stuff and all of that. So you are doing everything to feel better about yourself. You can come to church and be worshiping yourself. You can come to church and you are in the lead of the conversation of everything going on. And the doors open and we walk into the room. And if I could just take even, let's just start from your Sunday morning. Let's not even get to Monday morning. If I start from your Sunday morning and, and I just track the track, the doors open and then you walk in. First of all, when do you walk in? When do you walk in? So I can come to church when I want to come to church. And honestly, I don't believe God condemns people and all of that. I'm not condemning anybody. God sees my heart. But let me tell you honestly as your pastor... One of the things we must learn in life is to just treat God with honor. There are places in my life I cannot go late. Even if they judge me from my village, I will not go late for my visa interview. Do you understand what I'm saying? No matter. So it's not a question of I'm tired, I didn't feel like. That means that there is another emphasis. I'm honoring myself and my feelings more than I'm honoring God. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And early in life, when you just learn to treat God as God, that I give him the rightful honor, that I treat the house of God, the things of God with a language of honor, then the singing is going on and I see people standing and, you know, yeah, I'm just not the type of person. So you are honoring your type of person more than a savior that went up on a cross. Like, Jesus didn't die cool. Do you get what I'm saying? A savior was brutally murdered for sins he knew nothing about. He was stripped. He was killed. He bled his last life. He poured it out and we're singing and celebrating that. You say you're not the type to lift your hands. My Savior stretched out his hands in love. That's the God I came to worship. I don't do cool when I worship because Jesus didn't do cool when he died for me. He went all the way. He was passionate. Listen, I'm not here to worship myself. I'm not here to worship my feelings. I'm here to worship a God that gave everything in love for me. That's what I'm saying. That you can be singing the songs of God but worshiping yourself. You can be singing the songs and it's about, ah oh, man, I like that song. Ah, I don't really like this one. Hey, 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 let me help you. When they prepare a service sheet, they're not looking for the songs we like. They're looking for the songs he loves. 
It's an audience of one. Are you hearing me this morning? It's about him. It's first of all about him. So let me tell you what wise people do. You say, oh, does that mean God is just this egocentric person that sits on the throne and everything is just to please him? Well, when you create your own universe, you can make your own universe please you. But when you live in a universe he made, all things were made for his pleasure. Here's what wise people do. We find our pleasure in his pleasure. We find delight in the fact that he is pleased. It means the world to us. All things were made for his pleasure. When you make your own world, you can set the rules. But we live in his universe. We, made, we, we did not make him. It is he that made us, not we that made him. We are his sheep, the, the sheep of his pasture, his people. Treat God with honor. Yeah. We're singing. And it's just about how I feel. See, the problem, like, let me, let me, let's be honest with ourselves. One of the big issues we deal with is that we live in a generation where in every, basically everything we deal with, commerce, the world, marketplace, we are made to believe that it's about us. Right? You know in those days when I was young and you go to the bank, <laughs> you will queue. <laughs> you can go at 8 a.m. because they send you pay your school fees. You go at 8 a.m. You might be there till 3 p.m. They'll call one retiree. She'll come. She'll count the 559 one by one. Then they'll give you tally. How many of you ever collected tally in bank? So we knew that it was not about us. Society made us not think self. But you know now, customer is king. As you're coming in, it's about how we make you feel welcome. We celebrate you. <laughs> uh-huh. So sometimes you even carry that same mindset to church. So you come in here and you feel like God is just here to say, ah, you even came. Hey, I celebrate you. Don't be unfortunate. Don't let, don't let a generational mindset that just gives you that sense of you, you, you. So it's just about me, how I feel, my profile, how many followers I have. And life is all about me. And you can carry that same thing and walk into church and think that God is here to worship you. So it's about how you feel. It's about what you want. It's about what you don't want, what you don't like. But I came to say today, he is Lord, not you. And you better know that. That your wisdom is to treat him as God. The fear of the Lord is where wisdom starts from. The fear of God is where you start being wise. Because you treat him as God. I help you. Don't play God games. Don't. Please don't. You might be figuring out your faith journey and it's okay. I pray with all my heart that this would always be a church that you are safe enough to figure out a faith journey. But please don't play God games. Why would you? Why would you treat, like, let's play with anything. Play with babes. It's foolish, but do it if you want to. But don't play with God. So that's why we sit down. I'm preaching of God's word. Maybe you're even here today. I love you with all my heart. Maybe you're hearing everything I'm saying. And all you're saying in your mind is, I don't agree. Because you, we give ourselves the right to pick a Bible. You know, you know how we even approach the Bible? When I was growing up in faith, you know, which makes me sound old. <laughs> but, you know, but back in the years, you know what you do when you pick up your Bible? Is you read. You can start from, so you read chapters, you know. That's how we, we read. But now, there's a whole lot of, you know, what apps and all of that do. So, uh, Bible verse to make me happy when I'm sad. So, you go to page 168. Oh, I feel happy. So you feel like this whole Bible is customizable to suit your need. No. In fact, I remember it was Smith Wigglesworth that said, some people read the Bible in Greek, some in Hebrew. But he said, he said, he said, what is most important is that I'm not just reading the Bible, I'm allowing the Bible to read me. Powerful. That I'm allowing this book to dissect my life. How do you pick one verse and skip the next and say, I don't, I don't kind of like that one, no. I don't like that. I like verses on mental health, verses on happiness, finance. Yeah, 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 yeah. All nations shall call me blessed in the name of Jesus. Then the next verse, you say, ah, this one is making, giving him too much control. I just want him to be my savior. Don't create a religion of your own making. Christianity is about surrender. Do you, do you hear what we say? I gave my life to Christ. Do you, do you know the meaning of that? You say you gave your life to Christ. You gave him your life. Then you're now saying in my life, I'm not, uh-uh. 
You say you gave him your life. So he has the right to it. Amen. Amen. Your honor points to your worship. It comes to giving, when it comes to what we do with our finance, our honor points to our worship. Let me tell you this morning, honor is about what you put first. Honor is not just about what you put in the mix. Honor is always about what you put first. That's why God kind of sets up the Bible and sets up Christianity and life such that there are things that God just, if you read through the narrative of scripture, there's first, first mention, first. Romans 15, if the, if the root is holy, the whole lump is holy, there's first. Honor with the first of your increase first tithe why tithe is I've told you tithe is not just 10% tithe is the first 10% if I'm standing here I was asking them in the first service if I'm standing here and I suddenly tell you guys that wow I can't believe this I just saw a credit alert that like I've never seen this kind of amount in my life like what oh my god you know they say there are three types of gifts that you can give your pastor there's the money that you can give your pastor the pastor will now say wow kneel down let me pray for you there's money that you can give your pastor. Your pastor will do that and pray for you. <laughs> that, you know, that, that I see. And I tell you guys that, man, I just saw an alert that I, I, I can't even believe. And then I pick my phone. And I call. And I say, hello, hello, hello. Bosse, guess what? I just saw. You know, is his wife's other name Bosse? Why is he calling Bosse first? Or you give somebody a vow gift, like you are stalking a babe and all of that. And then you now set up like a vow moment. Like you haven't directly asked her, but you like set up a vow moment. And then you put this gift outside the house. She was going to walk out into it. And then you are peeping from like the back. That when she sees it and she's like, oh my God. Then you now run out and hug her. You had planned it and all of that. And then she now sees it and she's like, oh, oh, wow. And then she brings out her phone like, oh. And then she dials a number. And then you're checking your own phone to ring. And, and she now says, hello, hello. Uh, wow, I can't believe you did this. Who did you call first? So you know the way God designs it is that when God says things like bring the tithe, do you know why? Every increase I get, first, I say, God, thank you. I honor you. First. It's not the last 10%. It's the first 10%. What if, what if the money I have, the last money I have, somebody is critically sick in the hospital and the only money with me is my tithe. Should I use my tithe for the critically... It cannot be the last money. Your title was the first one. <laughs> There's a story I used to tell, I used to tell folks that somebody had two cows. And I said, he had a cow. The cow now gave birth to two cows. And I said, ah, I'm so grateful to God. I'm going to give God one, half, and I'll keep one. One is God's own. And they're like, wow, you're so generous. He's like, yeah, God has been good to me. One cow. Anyway, they were growing, growing, growing. One day they were both crossing the road and then a car hit one. And he died. You know, they say, yeah, they have killed God's calf. <laughs> Why is it God's own that died? Why not your own? It's always God's own. I realize lately I'm so busy at work, no time for church. Uh-uh. But you still have time for everything else. You still watch a complete movie. A church service is shorter than that. Except once in a while. <laughs> Why is it God's calf? Let me ask somebody. Say, why is it God's calf that always dies? Why is it God's calf? Huh? We're asking you all the way. Labor the two. Let's know which one. He said, no, I know it's in my heart. Your bad boy is my heart. <laughs> the third thing I would say as I close today, I've gone over my time. The third thing I would say as I close today is that I also believe that in treating him as God, first of all, I believe we treat him as God in focusing on him, right? And I'm not just looking at everything, I'm focusing on him. Secondly, I'm treating him as God by honoring him. Please, friends, honor God. Don't take God for granted. Grace is not a cover for foolishness. Grace is an opportunity for you to get your way right. Do you understand? We don't, we don't live in the Old Testament where uh, people, so Ananias and Sapphira, they struck them dead. <laughs> Wait, let me ask you guys. Let me ask you guys. If you attended church in the days of the early apostles, can you go late? <laughs> Somebody came. Question of the day. You see the way people be answering. Only when they say question of the day, what are two things? You will tell the truth. <laughs> and another said, he said, and he felt that I died. So you now say, ah, we are under grace. Uh-uh. Two things. Number one, that was New Testament, by the way. 
but let's not talk about that. I do, I should say, I think it was the immaturity of the apostles. I should say that. That's some of another day. Yeah, the, the immaturity. You want to know about that? Why do I say it was immaturity? Because by the time you go some chapters later, in Acts chapter 10, there was another guy that would have died if Peter was still who he was, as at Acts chapter 5. Simon the sorcerer. But Peter found it in his heart to give somebody room for repentance, not judgment, as he did earlier. So it was just immaturity, but that's early church. But secondly, um, don't let's see the grace of God as though some things don't matter. The grace of God is giving us room to get our, our, way, our way right. You know, like work on this, grow, travel your journey. We're not judging. But that doesn't mean that we're condoning. Do you understand? We must be on a journey. So the third thing I'm going to say today is that I think we must also find a rest. A rest in who Jesus is to us. What it does for me in saying that I'm treating him as God is that where, where does the confidence of your life come out of? Where does the confidence of your life with all the ropes pulling and all that life is, where does it come from? I believe it comes from knowing that there's a rest in who Jesus is to me. I was reading this morning about how in constructions there's this thing when they want to build sometimes and in some areas when they look at the direction of the winds and all of that. How about they call it a windbreaker or a windbreak? And what a windbreak does, sometimes you can plant trees, you can do stuff, but what it does is that the winds that are coming that are supposed to be directed straight at the building, what a windbreak does is that it kind of stands there and absorbs. And so what eventually hits the building is just a toned down, the one I allowed to get to you. And so the windbreak starts and says, all those things are coming, they're coming to hit. But the beautiful picture is that it's what got to you that we're allowed to get to you. That that building can be at rest by saying, how strong is my windbreak? And I was thinking about that today and saying, man, I'm so grateful and glad that Jesus is a windbreak for me. These things were going to roast me, amen. <laughs> These ropes, I didn't have it in myself. Come on, who's holding my ropes? Help me, help me, help me. Who's holding my ropes? Help me. I didn't have it in myself to deal with any of these ropes. But you see, something is absorbing the tension for him. And he's finding a rest. It's not even getting to him. The economy is hard. You people don't understand. 2022, I'm so grateful I have a windbreak, amen. But you people don't understand some of the things happening in marriages these days. People are not even faithful to their spouse, I have a windbreak in my marriage. I have a windbreak that takes it for me. Come on. And do you know what I'm so glad about? The revelation of Jesus that stands as my windbreak is not a Jesus that I say, yay, how can we do that? Yay, 2,000 years ago, he conquered all the elements and demonstrated himself victorious. He's strong enough. Hold the rope. So I find my rest. How do you find? Look at how the guy's chilled. Because my rest is in what he has done in who he is. Somebody, I'm going to live my life with my heart at rest. You know, running after one million things. He himself has said, therefore I take confidence and I confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I have a rest. I have a rest. Look at somebody and say, I have a rest. I have a rest in who Jesus is to me. I have a rest. The ropes pull, Lord. Let's not lie to ourselves. Just doing life in this day and age, the ropes pull. Maybe you're here today and there are winds and waves. Like Peter. Peter is walking on water. Not Tim, come. Peter is walking on water not because there are no winds and waves. In Matthew chapter 14, Peter is walking on water because he's following and focusing on Jesus. And so the Bible says suddenly Peter started to look at the winds and the waves. Look away from Jesus. And then the winds and the waves started to pull him and he started to drown. And he said, Lord, save me. And Jesus comes. How will you walk on water? How will you do the audacious, Peter? Is it by being stronger than the winds and waves? No, <laughs> it's by focusing on Jesus. I came to tell somebody today, you are trying to, to find your way between the winds and waves. Focus on Jesus. He knows the thoughts that he thinks towards you. Isaiah 26 verse 3, my final scripture. Isaiah 26 and verse 3, my final scripture this morning. Guys holding the ropes, can you stand up? I want, to, I want you to see this guy's rest real good. It's pulling, it's pulling. But except it's stronger than Jesus. Except Jesus says, ah, man, this economic situation, I don't even have wisdom in all of heaven for this one. Except Jesus says, ah, we had a plan before, but hey, I yeah, I yeah, they have spread the plan. Except Jesus runs out of ideas. I'm at rest. I'm at rest. Isaiah 26 verse 3, you will keep him 
in perfect peace. He doesn't say life will be perfectly peaceful. No, don't say what the Bible did not say. But you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Guy, what is your work? Focus. Focus on me. Treat me as God. Put me right. You will keep him in perfect peace. You know why your heart is chasing 100 things? Ah, I'm just afraid of my marriage. I don't know 10 years time. Because you are looking at people. You are looking at things. Focus on him. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you what is the work of a believer trust trust believe out of this he has the control he tells me what to do he tells me where to go where not to go he's lord he's savior but i want to know that i have a jesus that is strong enough for every talk for every pool about my life i pray today you go out of church with this revelation you know that if you are ever anxious you're anxious because you let the ropes and you're trying to hold it but here's how i'll deal with it i'll give it to him the one who holds it amen he is strong enough i came to remind somebody today he's strong enough he's not run out of ideas he's not gone weak he's strong enough for every generational pressure that pulls he's strong enough and when i know that my life is hidden in christ and christ is god then i have my rest because of who he is to me in jesus name amen 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 i have one simple prayer this morning in the midst of everything that i deal with thank you so much Midst of all that life is and all that I deal with, this morning as I walked into first service, I heard this song ringing on my heart. It's an old song. I don't know if you'd know it. I think you will. But it's real simple and it's a powerful prayer. Help me to see you more clear and love you more dearly. Follow you more dearly. It's real simple, you know. Everything is happening and life is what it is and there are all those pressures. <laughs> you know what my prayer is this morning? I just want to see Jesus for who Jesus is. And I'm fine. My heart is at rest. If Jesus is Jesus, let life be what it is. Let people be who they are. But if Jesus is Jesus, my heart is right. That's the alignment I'm looking for this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray you'll make this real to everybody. I pray in the name of Jesus that our eyes of understanding today will be enlightened to see you anew. I pray for a fresh revelation of a God who is for us and not against us, of a Savior that is strong enough, of a God who has loved us with an everlasting love, of one who is victorious in his power, who is victorious in his plans of our lives. I pray today that every heart will be strengthened out of a revelation of you and I pray today that our hearts will set you right we will treat you right and we love you today Jesus we give you all the glory thank you for what you're doing in us in Jesus name we pray everybody said amen 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 now let's lift our hands everybody and if we can pray this together it's awesome lift your voice everybody help me there are waves sometimes I feel like Peter I feel like I am one foolish mistake away from losing it I feel like I'm one foolish decision away from drowning everything I'm building but here's the good news Jesus is right before us and we can look to him thinking again that's my prayer today Jesus to follow you more nearly day by day a savior what beauty in your eyes jesus do you hear the voice of one that is for you not against you it says lay down your anxieties lay down your worries lay down your fears lay down lay down lay down and just look to him look to the brightness of his eyes look to the love today look to the favor of god today look to the love of a savior today i love you jesus this is what life is about 
God, today we repent of all the one million things trying to be God for ourselves. But we don't have it in ourselves. And what we need today is to just lay down, to surrender, and to just see your beauty. Lord, I pray, let every eye be open. Let every heart conceive you today. Can we lift our voices one more time? It's a prayer. To see you. To love. Help me to see you more clearly. Help me to follow Help me to see. If you can lift your hands, that's awesome. Just reach out to him today. Help me to follow. Day by day, the world is noisy, but help me to see you. Fears on the left, on the right, but help me to see you. Tomorrow, questions, tensions. Maybe there are struggles within you right now, but but pray. Maybe it's a battle with sin. Maybe it's a struggle. But help me to follow more nearly day by day. There are people here this morning fighting battles on the inside. I feel the weight. I feel you talking this morning. You're needing Jesus. You're not needing to be stronger in yourself. You're needing to set your heart on him today. All right, one more time. Let's lift our voices. Help me to see you. Let me hear the church. And That's a powerful prayer, church. Sing it one more time to see. Yeah. as we stand make an invitation for somebody today who came to church you're not in the right place with God I'm asking everybody to stand today because we want to honor you and honor your decision this moment changes lives forever I don't know who you are I don't know how you got to be here today whether you're in the building or you're online but my simple question today is whether you can boldly with all your heart say that you're in the right standing with God with an almighty God who made everything who one day is going to judge the world whether you can boldly say you're in the right standing with him you see if anybody has that boldness there's only one way we have it we have it because we put our trust in what Jesus did for us to make us right with God that we believe that Jesus went up on a cross and he died a death he had no business dying why did he die that death because we were guilty and he paid a price so if you come today and you say Jesus I believe you did that I believe you did and I put my trust in what you did that's what we're going to pray for you to say I put my trust in what Jesus did the Bible says you're going to be made right with God it's a miracle that only God can make happen but you are going to take the step today because Jesus has already opened the way for you if you say I'm not right I'm far away maybe at some point I've made a decision but as we speak today I know I'm not in the right place with God and I want to be made right today is a miracle for you God loves you God knows you God knows the very worst but today he's inviting you to the very best I'm 
going to count to three where you are. And I want you to put your hand on your chest. If you say you're speaking to me, I want to be made right with God. I want you to put your hand on your chest. It's a statement of surrender. Whether you're in this building or you're online anywhere, it's a statement you're making before God that I choose you today. Sins forgiven, slate washed clean, new beginning, new life, new life, new hope because of Jesus today. Are you ready? One, two, three. Where you are, put your hand on your chest. He sees you and he knows you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. That's a miracle happening in your life. I also believe there are people online everywhere and people in this building this morning. God bless you. That's a miracle. If you want to join in, let's do that before we pray. It's a miracle that we celebrate today of what God is doing in your life. God bless you miracle miracle god bless you thank you for your sincerity today you know what we're going to join you to say a prayer this is a family not a crowd we're going to join you to say a prayer i want you to say these words with boldness if your hand is on your chest knowing that god hears my voice let's all say together today heavenly father i come to you today because you've made a way for me to come through the death the burial and the resurrection of your son jesus so i believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and is the Savior of the world. Say, today I boldly confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. Say, please forgive me of the past and please give me a whole new start. Say, I am yours. I'm your child. I will live for you. I will follow you for the rest of my life. And one day, I'll be with you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us here at Sycamore Church. If you pray that prayer at the end, we are so excited about your decision for Jesus. And we would love to help you get established in your relationship with him. So please, let us know about your decision at www.sycamore.church forward slash Jesus. There, you'll also find all kinds of resources to help you build your relationship with Jesus. If you enjoyed this message, we would love for you to subscribe wherever you are listening or visit www.sycamore.church forward slash resources. Again, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.